Sometimes God's plan does not make sense. Sometimes we have, in our minds, done everything possible to position ourselves for clarity in relationship to the will of God, and we still seem to miss it. We don't know what to do next. We are really not even certain of the destination in this life sometimes. We get confused. It gets fuzzy. Even if we have heard from God where he's taking us or what his will is, man, the circumstances and oftentimes the other voices we listen to really do cause us to doubt what we think we heard God say in the beginning. That may seem a little unrelated to the series we've been in, but if you've been here the last uh, couple weeks, The Crown, we started The Crown, the story of really the life of David. Two weeks ago, uh, Brother Pat brought the word on his anointing. If you remember that story of how David was selected and God, through the prophet Samuel, anointed David to become king. And uh, then last Sunday, uh, maybe you're even at home watching it and, uh, and you're traveling. I know this is Labor Day, by the way. Man, you guys are super faithful if you're watching at home or you're here. Labor Day weekend and college football weekend, opening a weekend. It's unreal that you guys uh, are so faithful. Uh, but hey, you know, regardless, uh, last Sunday we were talking about David and Goliath. And so the first week we talked about the providence of God and how God always has a plan and uh, no matter what we think the plan is, God's plan matters most. At the end of the day, he's the one who wears the crown, not us. The whole point of this six-week series is that what made David such a great king is that he recognized that God was always in charge. So the crown was never his. It was always God's. So in God's providence, uh, he selected David, and David was going to become king. But then, by his power, this shepherd boy David overcame uh, Goliath, this, this mammoth of a man that was uh, intimidating God's people. And so today we're not talking about providence, we're not talking about power. We are specifically getting into the details of God's plan. How do we know God's plan? And even once we know God's plan, how, how do we figure out how that's going to be fleshed out? And even down to the specific question of how do I know what to do next? in relationship to his plan. I want you to look with me in the book of 1 Samuel. We've been there for the, the last couple weeks. 1 Samuel, turn in, turn on your Bibles. The Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, we're going to be looking at chapter 24 in a minute. We'll read from there, but before, I want to, I want to catch you up on chapter 23. I'm going to kind of summarize the content of chapter 23. Chapter 23 kind of rushes in with this idea of David running for his life. All right, Saul hates David now. He knows that God has anointed him to be the next king. Very intimidated, threatened, and paranoid. So Saul is out to get David. But David hears about this, uh, this city, uh, the city named uh, Keala. And Keala, even though David was running for his life, he cared about these people. And the Philistines had attacked Keala. And so David goes to the rescue. He comes to the rescue of the people of Keala, and he actually defeats the Philistines again, protects these people. Saul hears about it, and he says, now that David's in Keala, I've got him where I want him. He's in a city with fortified walls. You can check out the story. It's what he says. He says, I've got him. So David hears about Saul's intentions to come and get him, and so what does David do? David calls out to God. He doesn't even take a step before he prays, and he says, God, first of all, is Saul coming to get me? 
And if he is coming to get me, will the people of Keala be on my side or be against me? Well, God answers very clearly. Saul is going to come get you and he's going to try to kill you. And uh, the people of Keala will not be on your side. <laughs> they will hand you over. Even though you saved them, even though you rescued them, they're going to give you up to Saul. So what's David do? He runs. All right. So David runs for his life and he goes to this place, actually a very specifically named at the end of, of uh, the last verse of chapter 23. He says he goes to Ian Getty. Now I'm going to show you a couple pictures of this place called Ian Getty. While we go, when we go to the Holy Land, this is a place we visit. And so I wanted to show you because it puts it in perspective. David is running for his life and he comes to this place. It's basically a valley. It's an oasis, if you will, out in the middle of the desert where there's a beautiful waterfall at the end of the valley. Well, surrounding this oasis uh, is, is basically mountains on both sides. And in, on these mountains, there are just numerous caves. I mean, multitudes of caves maybe countless numbers of caves. I mean, it's just everywhere you turn, right and left, there are caves everywhere. And so when you, when you see that David is running at the end of verse 23, in the beginning of chapter 24, he's running into a cave. He's hiding from Saul, who is pursuing him. He's trying to catch him. He's trying to kill him. So Saul and his men kind of disperse from among one another. But the, the, some men go with David. They run into this cave. And, and we're not going to read it. I'm going to go and give you the, the background here. King Saul actually goes into the same cave where David is. All right? Now that's pretty amazing in and of itself that he goes into the same cave. Out of all these caves, Saul goes into the cave where David is. But here's the bad news. All right? And this is the Bible. I'm not making this up. All right? Saul goes into the cave. To do his business. All right, I'm just telling you, read it. He literally goes in there, it says to relieve himself. You can't make that up, right? I mean, just, you'd be like, the preacher's, he's making that up. Turn in 1 Samuel chapter 24 and read it for yourself, all right? So Saul goes into the cave to relieve himself, and here's what happens David gets close enough. This is an awkward story, all right? He gets close enough. And he cuts off the corner of the robe of King Saul. Now, why did he do that? Because he wanted to show him that he could have killed him. In this vulnerable position, this situation where Saul had, had put himself, David could have taken his life. He chose not to take his life because he actually trusted in the plan of God. Now, that's the whole point of this message today. So as we come to verse 6 of 1 Samuel 24, we begin to read, this is the background of the story and so here in this story, David now uh, is talking to his men who are trying to convince him to kill Saul. It says in verse 6, uh, David says, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, speaking of Saul, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and, and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and he left the cave and he went on his way. So they spared the life of the king, even though they could have easily killed him. And so in this moment, we see David following after Saul in verse 8. Now, he's not following after Saul to kill him. He's following after Saul to get his attention. It says in verse 9, David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say to you, Behold, David seeks your harm. Look, I'm not trying to hurt you. Behold, this day in your eyes... Uh, you have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in this cave. And, and some told me to kill you, but I spared your life, Saul. I said, I'm not going to put out my hand against my Lord, Saul, uh, for he is the Lord's anointed. 
See, my father, see the corner of the robe in my hand? In other words, I have your robe. I could have killed you. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and I did not kill you, you you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May, May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. In other words, David said, I'm not taking God's law into my own hands. I'm not going to manipulate the process. If this is God's will, then God's going to do it. And you better watch out. You're not fighting me. You're not trying to kill me. You're running after God himself. In verse 17, we see Saul responding to David. He said, you are more righteous than I. Man, that was an understatement, right? You're more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I, I repaid you evil. And you've declared this day how you have dealt with me and that you did not kill me when the Lord put uh, put me into your hands. So Saul comes to grips with the fact that, wow, man, this is is right. You you could have killed me and you didn't. So with this story, we understand, man, it's always a fascinating story. The narrative of David in whatever case, I mean, every every step along the way, it's, it's, it's amazing to read, to see how God had his hand on David, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. He was facing a a giant last week. This week, we see David running for his life from his own country. He's running for his life from his own king. He's running for his life from Saul. And so in, in the middle of the promise of God, we see chaos. In the middle of the plan of God, we see confusion. Now, obviously, the confusion's not from God, but it's no less real. And so a lot of times when we think, Man, I thought I was doing what God told me to do. I don't know why it's so difficult. I don't know why it's so challenging. God never promised it wouldn't be challenging. God never promised it wouldn't be difficult. And so a lot of the stuff we're going to see today, I, I want to challenge you. Either get out a pen and paper or, or take out your, your phone and take notes. There's going to be some simple principles that are going to be extremely practical for you today. If you are anybody that you know ever ask the question, how do I know what God wants me to do? How do I know what God's will for my life is? And how do I I wait on God? Here are the three questions that we're going to answer this morning. First, how do I know God's plan? How do I know God's plan? Uh, This is in your app. Like Pat said a minute ago, you can pull it up, take notes in there. Actually, cool feature, you can email your notes to yourself at the end. It's kind of cool. Second question we're going to answer, how do I wait on God's will? Not only how do I know His plan, how can I wait on God's will? And then third... How do I trust God in the in-between? While I'm waiting, how do I continue to trust Him? So those three questions are massive questions. They're questions we all face, we've all dealt with, we all understand what it means to not know what God's leading us to do or how to wait on Him. And so this is super practical, probably one of the most practical messages as far as just giving some simple principles to take home and apply to your life. This is a question people come all the time to pastors and say, how do I know what God's will is for my life? This is the answer. I mean, this is your day, all right? So I want to challenge you to lean in and, and listen to the, the, the voice of God in regard to these difficult questions. Um, let's consider the facts of the story. Kind of back up a little bit, remind ourselves of what we know to be absolute here. David has been anointed, all right? So it's a fact. God, in many ways, has already showed David what his will for his life is. David has been anointed, but King Saul is still in charge. So even though, even though God has made it clear, my will for your life, David, is that you be the king of Israel. Right now, Saul is still on the throne. 
And so there is, this, there is this tension that we understand. It's not like we don't get this. That the promise of God for our future is not always realized in the present. I mean, there are times where we walk through a difficult process to get where God is leading us. And it's not always, you know, it's not always a cakewalk. It's not always easy. It's not always even moderately difficult. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. I would even say oftentimes it is impossible to get through without the hand of God on you. And that's where we find David. Were it not for the, the grace of God, David would have been killed by Saul. There have been numerous times. But see, David understood that God was ultimately in charge of all of that. God was ultimately in charge of everything that was taking place. So we got to understand where David was, what he had been promised, and where Saul was in, in the meantime. So David knows God's future for his life, but the big picture purpose, really, even though he understood the big picture purpose, he faces challenges that could cause him to doubt the word of God in the promise that he had made. And so, if you think about it this way, this couldn't have been the way David imagined God would do it. I mean, think about it. When he's being anointed king, I mean, like, like us, when we know the will of God in our life, we, we have this idea of what God is going to do. When, when we know, hey, God called us to start a family, to, to have children and, and to lead them and to raise them in, in God's, God's way, that there are definitely times where we may scratch our head and say, man, I, I didn't know this was how this was going to happen. I thought I was being obedient to God. See, David was doing everything that God told him to do, but things didn't go perfect. And, and I, I know we all understand there, there are times where we just, we just don't understand why we're having to go through the process that we're going through. Why are we having to face the opposition we're facing? Why is King Saul trying to kill us? Does he not know that God <laughs> has already ordained that this is going to happen. So why is it that I'm having to face these problems? I would imagine that, that David could have easily faced questions like this. What if Saul kills me? <laughs> I mean, I thought God was going to make me king. What if, what if Saul is successful in this pursuit and he kills me? I'm sure David was very, very much tempted to take matters into his own hands. Who does that remind us of? I mean, think about Abraham, who was promised by God he was going to be the father of many nations, right? We totally remember that, that Abraham was going to have a son through Sarah, but, but they weren't patient enough. They didn't wait on God. Eventually, Abraham began to, to think in his own mind, hey, I've got to help God out. Somehow, I don't doubt the promise of God, but undoubtedly, I must be the one who has to make this thing happen. So he began to manipulate the plan of God and, and try to force it in a way that God did not intend. And so as a result, we still have incredible tension in the Middle East, even today. The news that we see, even in the last few weeks, is a result of one man's disobedience. You may say, oh, it's oversimplification. No, that's just the Bible. And so because of, because of disobedience, we see just the, the absolute chaos and confusion of the Middle East, all as a result of one man trying to fulfill the promises of God for him, instead of just being obedient to what God was telling him to do. And so David was tempted with that, there's no doubt. I, I, I know David had to have been thinking and listening to the men who were saying, hey, we need to kill him, we need to kill him. Hey man, he's sitting on your throne. God's called you to be king. God's called you, not Saul. And so, hey, let's go into, this is how God, God led Saul into this cave, David. Man, you need to man up. I mean, let's get him. Let's, it's his time. And David said, no, this is not what God said. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And I think it's such a good lesson for us to hear 
from God's Word related to David's story. And here's the truth. The truth of the matter is your story may not be as dramatic as David's, all right? Your story may not be Goliath, right? Your story may not be running for your life and hiding in caves from King Saul. I get that. My life may not be exactly like that. But at the same time, my life and your life, us navigating this life to try to figure out God's will and, and fulfill it, it can be just as confusing. It can be just as difficult. It can be just as challenging. And you may be here and you may be asking, or maybe you're watching at home and you're asking questions like, man, what's the next step in my career? I don't know what God's doing. I want to make sure I'm in God's will. So how do I know what he wants me to do? How do I know what job I need to take? Does God really have a ministry for me? How do I find that? How do I know where he wants me to serve in his church? How can I I know what decision to make when it comes to my financial situation? How can I know where to go and what to do? How do I know uh, what decision to make related to my education? What's next in that regard? What's next for my family, my kids, my parents, my in-laws, my siblings? How can I know what God's will is when I I face challenges and tensions when it comes to relationships? Uh, Can God bring life back to my marriage? Uh, what, what should I do? You see, we're faced with question after question after question. And, and we're sometimes just really searching and saying, God, why don't you show me where to go? God, what, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? So if that's the question, that's the first question. Here it is. How do I know God's plan? How do I know God's plan? That's a great question. It's a great question. We're going to give you really simple answers today. These are simple practical answers that if we will listen god will speak to you this is i'm honest very very few times will i be this confident and these are just simple elementary steps to take if you really want to know god's will here it is first you'll never know god's plan or you never know the plan of god any better than you know the god of the plan you'll never know the plan of god any better than you know the god of the plan and so what that means is it's about relationship So kind of the first step to know is sometimes we don't know what the plan of God is simply because we're neglecting our relationship with God. So what do I do, Wayne, if I really want to improve the relationship that I have with God? Not just so I can know his will, but, but so that I can know his will, what do I need to do? Well, that leads us to the second principle. You'll never know the plan of God any better than you know the word of God. You'll never know the plan of God any better than you know the word of God. You may say, well, why would that even matter? It's because at the end of the day, Scripture is filled with instruction. And how many times have we sat there and we're like, oh, God, would you speak to me? Oh, God, would you give me your will for my life? I just, I'm just, i just so hungry for it. I, I really want to know what you're telling me to do. And, and the Bible's sitting here, and we don't even know the Word. We're not spending time in the Word. Let me just say this quite simply. This is how God speaks to you most often. The Word of God is how God speaks to us. Let's say it like this. There's three words to always remember when you talk about the Bible. This is the revelation of God. So God has revealed himself to his people through his word. So this is revelation. And then there's inspiration. He's revealed it by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But then there's something called illumination, all right? And what's that mean? Well, you remember the cartoon where like this light bulb goes off, you know, and it illuminates. In our minds, that's what happens, honestly. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, I was just reading the scripture. I've read it a million times before, but for some reason this time, a light bulb went off. It's like I heard, I heard the word in a way I'd never heard it before. I, I read that story, and man, something came to light that I had never noticed before. That is illumination, and it is done only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here's the deal. If we're looking for God's will, 
then we need to remember relationship is primary. So you'll never know the plan of God better than you know the God of the plan, all right? But then beyond that, how do I know God better? Well, first of all, you'll never know the will of God better than you actually know the word of God. So I need to make sure that I'm reading the word of God because he's never going to tell me anything now that contradicts what he told me then. Never, never. Uh, These are our instructions, and I'm not going to go into great detail and give you any specific example, but I am not the best guy to follow instructions. And I know that's a a funny joke about men and and putting things together, but I'm always the guy with 18 pieces left at the end of putting something together. You know what I'm saying? Always. You can ask Amy. I mean, I I, I think instructions to put stuff together is for... for, I started to say sissies. I'm not going to say sissies, all right? That's for, that's for people who don't know how to put things together. That, that's, that's silly, all right? I understand that's silly. I'm a stubborn dude, all right? And so I try to do it myself. I get tools out, and I'm like, well, I bet that fits that. And, I, and so sometimes we were putting these shelves together. I said, I wasn't going to be specific. I'm giving you a specific example. The other day we were putting these shelves together, and I put them absolutely up backwards, totally. I mean, I, it was like backwards, totally wrong, totally wrong. Had to take them all apart and listen to my wife as she said, would you look at the instructions to put this in? And I totally did. All right, I put it back together, and I put it together right. Now, here's the deal. At the end of the day, there are times where we're like, I just don't know what to do. That's like me looking at those shelves, and I was like, I just don't know why these things. I mean, I'm scratching my head. I, I mean, I've done it all right. I've done it all right. I've done it all right based on what I thought was right, right? I did everything that I thought was the way you should do it. But at the end of the day, I had not followed the instructions. And I know that's an overused cliche. Listen. If you're trying to follow God's will and you're not in the Word of God, you are wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Because you're, you're trying to figure it out like some stubborn dude putting together a shelf in his living room. That's not smart. That's not even, that's not even practically smart. Much less spiritually mature. God, God has given us clear instructions for our lives. And these instructions are not good suggestions. No, they're primarily the way God's communicated to us. And so if, he's, if, he's, if we're sitting here saying, God, would you speak to me? And we're never listening to him in his word, then we are really missing the boat. You'll never know the plan of God any better than you know the word of God. But then third, I want you to notice this. He's slow, uh, he is slow to show those who are slow to go. He's slow to show those who are slow to go. And so with that in mind, here's what we see. God conceals conditions of his plan oftentimes from those who refuse to surrender unconditionally. So there's like prerequisite oftentimes of the information for us to say, you know what, I'm going to surrender to God. You may say, well, how do I know what I'm surrendering to? You're surrendering to the person of God. You're not surrendering to his plan. So when you surrender to the person, his plan is a given. See, I think what we do is we wait to hear the plan to decide if we're going to surrender. And that's not how it works. We don't surrender conditionally. We don't surrender as long as we like the plan. That's what we end up doing, but that's not the way God's plan works. And so if we want to know the will of God, then we start by saying, God, I know you, right? Because I'll never know the the plan of God better than I know the God, God of the plan. And then I know you because I know you're faithful. I'm going to read your promises. I'm going to know your word so that I know what you've already said to me. But then even beyond that, God, I'm going to make sure that I'm obedient. Like if I know you've said to do something, i got to do it. And so I'm going to commit before I even know the rest of the story, God. I'm going to commit to do whatever you ask me to do. God, no matter where you call me, my answer is yes. If we come with that heart, then it's, it's amazing how God illuminates the path in front of us. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. How do you acknowledge him? God, you're, you're in charge. This crown is yours. It's not mine. So how do I know God's plan? We've got to know the God of the plan. We've got to read the word, and we ultimately have to surrender completely to his will. Secondly, how do I wait on God's will? Once I actually have, have heard the word, and I, I know what he's telling me to do, how do I actually wait on him? Uh, there are a couple of things, again, real practical uh, points, but the first one is this. Listen for the clear voice of God. We need to listen for the clear voice of God. Part of the challenge here is because we're surrounded by voices. And I, I, I feel like every week the Lord brings me back to this because in large part we're all surrounded by it. It's not like it's one or two of us. We are surrounded by voices. We are surrounded by experts. We are surrounded by influences. And so what happens in, in a lot of ways is that we don't hear the clear voice of God simply because we are allowing other voices to dominate what we hear. I am, uh, the older I get, the, the less I hear. Man, that's, that is so true. The older I get, the less I hear. And, and Amy sometimes thinks it's selective hearing, but I think I've convinced her that in a lot of ways it's, it's ADD, but in a lot of ways it's physical too. I mean, I, I can't hear. I mean, I mean sometimes I, I don't know. If you're talking to me and you talk fast, I have a real hard time. If you're talking to me and and there's a squirrel that runs. Squirrel! You know, I do that. I do that. I can't help it. I'm sorry. It's a fly fishing. I don't even know. You know, I just do some crazy stuff. I just see something and I go off on a tangent. I, I wish I wasn't that way. But then even beyond that, sometimes, sometimes I'm talking to somebody and the, the noise in the background, I, don't, I wish I wasn't this way. It drowns out the person I'm trying to focus on. So even a TV, I had to learn a long time ago. I had to turn the TV off if Amy's talking to me. Because even if I'm trying to listen, I mean, I, I have to like open my eyes and do this, you know, because I, I, it's hard for me to focus if there's a lot of noise going on. But then sometimes, I mean, the TV's going, pots are rattling in the sink, the kids are talking in the background, and you can just forget it, man. I, it doesn't matter who's in front. I, I'm not going to hear because of all the background noise. And I think spiritually, this is where we are. I hope you get this. Listen. We are surrounded by people who are speaking into your life. You may not even consider them strong influences, but they are influencing you nonetheless. It may be the news. It may be a blog. It may be a video. It, it may be a friend. It may be another preacher. I'm telling you, there, there's any number of people who are influencing or who desire to influence you, we're surrounded by influences today. And if we're not careful, we will prioritize the influence of other people. We will elevate the influence of other things, other articles, other news feeds, other blogs. We will elevate the influence of other things to where we do not hear the voice of God anymore. And this is not, this is not crazy. This is just simple. We, we've surrounded ourselves with so many influences that we have forgotten the primary thing that's actually going to give us direction in this crazy, crazy day. So what's the challenge? Man, the challenge is listen for the clear voice of God. Second, related to what we just said, be selective in who you allow to influence you. Be selective. Don't just chase after them because they... They seem to be smart or because they seem to make sense. 
why don't we start with what we know to be true? Let's start with what we know to be true. Don't allow other people and other voices to actually influence us away from the voice of God. And and some people in the name of God, I, I used to get super frustrated by it, and I hate to say I've probably gotten used to it now, but I can't tell you how many times people will we'll chase down the words of other people who claim to be spiritual leaders and they'll send me a video to try to convince me that somebody else, well, here's a pastor in North Carolina or a pastor in California or a pastor in New York or a pastor in Florida who says this or that. And hey, you need to listen. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? At the end of the day, it, it matters much less about what your pastor says. What does the Bible say? It doesn't matter what politicians say on either side. It doesn't matter what the, the, the anchor man says. Look, what matters is what does, what does God have to say? The problem is we're not listening to the word of God. We're not listening for the voice of God. The voice of God is being drowned out by all of the other influences that we are exposing ourselves to. So we're not, we're not allowing him to, to speak to us. God, where do I go? I wish you'd speak up. Well, if we would turn off the TV occasionally, if we would put away the, the trash of the world that maybe we're allowing to drive us and motivate us on every extreme in this world, and I'm not talking about any one side, I'm talking about every side of every issue in this country right now, we are fighting each other because we're not listening to the word of God. We're not listening for the voice of God. We're listening to, to, to men and women who are leading us astray. And God's calling us to be people of God who actually put his word first, who actually consider the call of God as a Christian to be primary, not secondary, primary in your life. So that all the other influences, all the other voices... Man, they just, they pale in comparison to what we're hearing from God. It doesn't mean I change my view or you change your view about this or that. But it does mean we're given priority to the voice of God over all of the other voices in our lives. The truth of the matter is we have to understand that God is speaking. It is not, if we're not hearing, it's not because God is not speaking. Oftentimes it's just because we're listening to the wrong voices. We need to hear that. At the end of the day, here, here's another point. We've got to acknowledge that our circumstances may not be something to be delivered from. I know a lot of times we just think, well, if I'm in a bad circumstance, I'm just going to pray, God, get me out of this. God, help me through. The, I, I want to get out on the other side. And I totally am uh, obviously with you on that. I, I mean, I don't want to pray, God, just keep me in the middle of the suffering. God, keep me in the middle of the bad day. No. But we have to understand there are times, if we, have, if we have knocked on this door over and over again, if we continue to say, God, would you deliver me? God, would you heal me? God, would you deliver me? God, would you heal me? And he, he's not chosen to do so. We've got to acknowledge that our circumstances may not be something that he's going to deliver us from. Until, at least this side of heaven, until he comes back for us. And so we need to understand, look, we often face a closed door, not because God hasn't opened it yet, but because he never intended us to walk through that door. And it goes back to how we see God. How do we see God? Do we see God as, as a servant that somehow we keep tagging along with us and we, we constantly just tell him like a genie in the bottle, God, here's what I want today. God, here's my plan for today. Listen to this great plan. Would you bless it? Would you bless my plan? See, this is, this is Christians in America 
in 2021. We, we legitimately look at God like somehow he, he serves us and he's at our beck and call. And, and we just tell him, here's what we want you to do, God. Would, would you just, just check off the box? Would you just approve my plan? And we, we lose sight. How do we do that? Why do we get so confused? It's because we are so enamored by ourselves, and, and we love the way we look on the throne, and we love the way the crown fits on our head, and we forget the crown was never ours. The crown belongs to him. He is the king. We're not the king. There's no president, past or present, who is the king of our heart. Jesus Christ alone deserves our complete loyalty. But that includes the blogs. That includes the news feeds. That includes all of the voices that are begging us to listen. We've got to drown out the other influences. We've got to find that still, small voice. God is speaking to us if we will listen. So, so how do I wait on God's will? It really comes down to one word, trust. And that's the third question. How do I trust God in the in-between? I mean, that's easy to say. Trust God. Trust God with it. I mean, I even read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 a minute ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. So how do I trust? Here, listen to the definition of trust. Psychology today defines trust in this way. Trust is a set of behaviors such as acting in ways that depend on another. Trust is a belief in a probability that a person will behave a certain way. Trust is an abstract mental attitude toward a proposition that someone is dependable. Trust is a feeling of confidence and security that someone actually cares about you. All of those things describe trust. And so how do I trust in the in-between? While I'm waiting on God, when I don't understand, when he's called me and he said this is where you're to go, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. How do, I, how do I trust him? Here's the bottom line. Trusting God in the in-between requires us to find his character and his promise to be more definitive than the source of our fears and frustrations. Let me say it this way. Trusting God in the in-between requires us to find his character, who he is, and his promise, what he said. Trusting God in the in-between requires that I find who he is and what he said to be more trustworthy, more certain, more reliable, than the source of my fears and my frustrations. What's that? All the other noise that is preventing me from hearing his voice. But Wayne, uh, all right, I, I get the big picture, but what about now? What about today? What about this moment? How do I know what to do next? I've said it many times. I don't know if, you ever, if you're going to remember it, but listen, this John MacArthur, I think, said it the first time I ever heard it. It's one of the most profound statements, honestly, I think it applies today. When you don't know what to do next, do what God told you to do last. When you don't know what to do next, do what God told you to do last. You hold in your hands, be it a digital vice, a device or, or a leatherback Bible, you hold in your hands an awful lot of stuff that God has already told you to do. An awful lot. A lot of stuff that both you and I are not faithfully doing the way he's called us to. So, so Wayne, what do I do next? Listen to the voice of God and do what he says to do. The closer you get to God, the more you will understand his will for your life. Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. God, I love you.
I thank you for your word. It's so good. In days like today, I feel like this is a word we have needed. God, this is a word, a practical word. For what, what do we do? Where do we turn? How do we know? God, would you, would you teach us? Lord, would you speak to us? I know we are surrounded by uncertainty and confusion. And so many in this room are, are definitely at crossroads. And they want to know which way to turn. It's going to bring you glory. So God, I pray today that you would help them yield to you. That they would be driven back to hear your voice. Help us. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?